talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, the panel this morning consists of uh, Mr Sports Freak and that of course is uh, Graham Beasley as along with uh, RNZ's uh, Ben Strang as well uh, who does uh, cricket commentary on our behalf too. So uh, gentlemen, uh, first of all let's get stuck into the black cap shall we if we want to. Uh, Graham, I'll start with you. Uh, I, w- I regard that as a very poor performance, very poor. Yeah, I do too. It was quite um, it was quite draining, really, wasn't it? Um, I mean, fair fair play to England. Um, I do like the way they're playing, and and even just little things like folks standing up to Anderson and Broad yesterday. I mean, you'd have enjoyed that, Smithy. Um, you know that 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 kind of aggression that they have there. They're, they're always making changes. They're always um, trying to exert their dominance. But from a New Zealand point of view, very disappointing. Um, I think they got the balance of their bowling attack wrong. Um, the um, sending them in clearly backfired, and I think by the time the second innings came along, I think they just had a bit of a mental block um, in terms of batting under lights. Really, um, I mean, both yeah, bowled yeah. very well, but to have four people out bowled like that um, within an hour was um, was very disappointing because because they're good batsmen too. Yeah, technically, I mean, you you don't. Associate the fact with a guy like Williamson will just be done through the gate like that. You don't you don't uh, look at Conway getting knocked over very often in that regard. So uh, they are traditionally very good at protecting their stumps, uh, which which uh, I found quite unusual to go like a picket fence there. Uh, ben, uh, what did you make of um, the whole three and a half days? Uh, yeah, I agree. New Zealand were very poor, uh, but I would say on top of that that I think New Zealand cricket fans need to get used to that because. I think the next five uh, to seven sort of years, uh, possibly longer, unless we start unearthing some better young talent, uh, are going to be very, very difficult. Uh, This isn't the golden team that took us to the World Test Championship title. Um, With the the bowling, I don't think uh, Blair Tickner is good enough for international level, for for test level. Scott Kugeline the same, and I wouldn't have picked him anyway based on other reasons. Um, I, I think Neil Wagner is probably nearing retirement and, and doesn't quite have the spark that he, that he used to have. And with the bat, it was just a, a poor batting performance. Someone like Henry Nichols hasn't proved that he should continue to get selected on his form. So I think there's a lot of selection issues as part of this performance. Gary Stead and Co need to have a better look at, at, at that. Um, but you know, we've just seen now the news come through that Jacob Duffy and Ish Sodi have been uh, dropped. Uh, Matt Henry's back for the next test, so I don't actually see many changes coming to 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 either line. You know, the batting or the bowling lineup. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's intriguing for me, um, Graham. But we've seen it before: this uh, consistency of selection, this faithfulness of selection. Uh, have we? Are we moving past that now on these kinds of results? So surely. Well, given the squad that's just been announced, it looks like we haven't really. Um, you know, they're still being very loyal to players. Um, actually, back onto Wagner, I thought probably the the most disheartening period of the Test match was him getting taken apart on that um, on that third afternoon. You know, I mean, that that just hasn't happened to that extent before. And when they started backing off outside leg stump and hitting him over mid off before. It all, it all just looked really sad, really, and and I think we need to acknowledge that, um, as Ben said, he's he's possibly near, near to retirement. Um, he isn't what he was. I think Kane Williamson is still struggling. 
Um, so not only are we losing players like Bolt, etc., but some of our absolute rocks over the last five to ten years are, um, are not quite what they used to be. 11, uh, 11 overs for 102. Um, uh, you're right. I, I, I don't get the tactics there, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, ben, from a fellow bowler, um, and, and it, letting it, uh, okay, he, he's, he got a couple of guys out, but 11 overs for 102 in a test match? Well, there's a reason Neil Wagner doesn't play limited overs cricket for New Zealand. Uh, it's just because the, the, the way that he's been getting wickets in test matches does not work in one-day internationals in 2020s because guys do exactly what England did. Well, the pink ball, which is very, very easy to see, almost as easy to see as a white ball, uh, so they just did what they would in limited overs cricket. They backed away. They used the crease. They made him have to, to think more than possibly he has in test matches in the past. And, I, I you know... I don't want to completely rip into the way Wagner bowled because he just bowled as he has in the past. But I also feel sorry for the guy because, you know, he is nearing the end of his career. But he gets taken to England last year, plays one match uh, on the the least receptive wicket for for his bowling. Then, um, you know, the two green seamers he wasn't selected for. Uh, this this while he's you know got a got a child being born in New Zealand. You've got to be wondering why you're over there. Um, you know, guys like him have possibly not been treated as well as they should have been done in the last few years, given the career that he's had. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of issues, um, you know, behind the scenes that are possibly bubbling away and, and the players aren't performing as well as they could, uh, given the talent they do have. But then we do have a dearth of talent behind our top guns, which is a real problem. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're going to get uh, back to cricket, probably turn to the women's cricket team as well, who at least had a win this morning, a convincing one. We'll talk about that very shortly uh, with Graham Beasley and Ben Strang. It's uh, 10.31, time for some news. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Graham Beasley with us this morning and uh, Ben String. Um, gentlemen, some better news uh, cricket-wise anyway coming out of Powell, uh, Boland Park actually uh, just a, a little while ago uh, with the White Ferns uh, winning and beating um, Sri Lanka by 100 runs but still uh, they're sitting there hoping on the back of what's been up until this point quite disappointing. Graham, I'll start with you. Yeah, sort of uh, things have come right but it's kind of too little too late really isn't it and I think they will look back on this tournament and really regret the way that they approached those two run chases against Australia and South Africa probably particularly Australia um, you know they were, they were never going to chase down 190 against Australia so to lose the two star batters for Golden Ducks in the first over um, they should have just recalibrated at that stage and decided well let's get to say 130 or something like that so we don't do our net run rates and damage and then the same kind of thing happened against South Africa as well. So I think they need to realise that in tournament play like this, it's not about winning every game. It's, you know, the, the run rate almost always comes into play um, for a tournament like this, and it's going to again. Um, and we've got the forlorn hope that Bangladesh might be South Africa. But mind you, South Africa at ICC World Cup are just a special um, piece of work, aren't they? So you never... <laughs> You wouldn't you wouldn't say that they will definitely get through given their past history. No, you wouldn't, uh, Ben. What do you think? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, much more promising performance this morning. But you know, 
South Africa losing to Bangladesh seems like a bit of pretty long shot on Wednesday morning. I, I think um, there's possibly a bit of the same with the white ferns as there is with the black caps, though, where you have uh, such such talented players sort of leading the charge with Bates, Devine, um, Amelia Kerr, that sort of thing. And then there seems to be a significant drop-off. Um, there is more promise in, you know, if, if you see any of the domestic women's cricket, there, there does appear to be some good young players coming through, which is uh, exciting to see. But but at the moment, there is a steep drop-off from those world-class players down to the other squad players. And it makes it hard when you go to a global tournament to get a certain number of performances out of the players. Certainly doesn't help when you know your two-star bats get out for a golden duck. But um, I, I think it's just... It is hard in New Zealand to develop depth in any sport when there's so few of us uh, in the country. But I think that's where uh, other nations are able to to get a leg up on New Zealand is that they do have greater depth and they can rely on their fourth or fifth option in any discipline. So, so Ben, how do we get – I mean, I, I, if you need to answer this question, I suppose you'd be on $10 billion a year. But um, how, do you, <laughs> how do you get depth then? Do we need to send our kids, um, our younger kids, uh, to Australia? Where, do, where are we going to get this from? Yeah, um, yeah, I would like that ten million or ten billion dollars. That would be nice. Um, I don't have the answers, but uh, you know, part of it is just the the plane stock. I mean, you you can't expect a country of five million to compete with you know India with one point three billion, or, or you know, that's just a numbers game. I, I, I you know, the, the the development at grassroots level in, in all sports um, possibly can do with a little bit of work. There are countries that succeed in their sports despite the, the smaller population size. And New Zealand, by comparison, has actually done a very good job. I just think there's going to be ebbs and flows where you're going to get a generation of fantastic cricketers or, or whatever it may be, and then you've just got to deal with the the times that come after that. You, you can't expect, as a New Zealand sports fan, to have your teams dominating at the top year in, year out, just simply because of our population. Uh, good point. Okay, let's uh, change tack from cricket and get on to something else. Um, Danny Lee, it seems uh, Graham Beasley is uh, all but confirmed to go to the dark side. Yeah, to be honest, that doesn't particularly surprise me. Um, you know, I think if you'd said if there was a golfer in in this country that was going to do that, it would be Danny Lee. But it also says a bit about Liv, I think, in that if they're now sort of hunting around and recruiting golfers that are ranked 350th in the world, then that doesn't say much about the quality of their tournament either, does it? So, um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this whole live um, issue is an interesting one to follow. But as I say, I think um, when they kicked it off, they would have thought that they wouldn't be picking up golfers ranked 350. No, I, I totally agree with you there. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, that's bottom-of-the-barrel type signing for Greg Norman, uh, the way I see it anyway. Yeah, ben, how do you see it? it? Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I don't, bla- you know... I don't like the idea of, of going to live golf. If I was a professional golfer, I don't think I'd want to play on that tour. Uh, that said, the money that's possibly on offer to Danny Lee, given the, the talent he has on a global scale, is you know you probably understand why he would do it. Um, I think this will, will just basically um, usher him you know further down the, the rankings, even though he basically won't be on the rankings, you know, it just I don't think his golf is going to get any better from being on the live. All those guys 
who have come back and played tournaments with the PGA guys have failed to make cuts, failed to perform. I don't think it's a place where you're getting high-performance golf. Uh, so, yeah, in some ways I think it's a shame, but in others I'm just happy that someone like Ryan Fox is going so well and, and there is a Kiwi that you can, um, you know, support on that men's tour. There's there's Lydia Coe on the women's tour, Steve Alka on the senior tour. There is a lot of golf that New Zealanders can enjoy. Yeah, that's an interesting one for me, and, and I don't think anyone will ever say anything about it, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, people and particularly people involved with FIFA and the women's side of uh, football were saying we can't have um, uh, Saudi first uh, tourism company sponsoring the FIFA World Cup. We don't want that kind of money. We don't want that kind of sponsorship. Here we get into a situation now uh, where we find uh, Lydia Ko winning this morning. Uh, hats off to her for winning a golf tournament. But at the end of the day, uh, Graham, it is Saudi money. Uh, what are we going to, is there going to be any, any feedback about this, any repercussions? I haven't seen any feedback about it yet, um, but you're right, it will probably seem appropriate that there should be some. I guess the, the, the subtle difference with the um, FIFA World Cup being held here with the Saudi advertising is that it's being held on our shores. So it feels mm-hmm. like a real intrusion into this country and a tournament that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll only uh, get to host it once in our lifetime um, in, in Australia and New Zealand. So for Saudi money to come in and advertise and it just sort of clouds, it just puts a bit of a dampener on the whole um, the whole tournament. Whereas Lydia Ko, from a New Zealand point of view, if she's playing in Saudi Arabia or the States or anywhere, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem to impact us as much. You know, we, we can see it on TV. We might work out that it's in Saudi Arabia, but it just doesn't seem quite as intrusive. Ben, do you have a view on that? Yeah, I think the other thing about it is that the, uh, you know, Saudi sponsoring the FIFA Women's World Cup is sports washing on a real global scale. Like one of the biggest tournaments in the world, one of the biggest sporting events in the world, which will be watched by billions of people. Uh, the, the the woman going and playing in Saudi Arabia in a golf tournament uh, is, is a much lower scale. Uh, and, and if you just think about the the logistics of it, they've got, you know, a hundred women going over to play a tournament in Saudi Arabia, a country that doesn't have a great record on women's rights. And, and you can kind of, you know, I, I guess... Um, understand allowing it to happen a bit more with the precedent it might set in the country but yeah i just think the the sponsorship angle on a fifa tournament which is just such a massive showpiece is the difference it's just sports washing trying to get their name out and sponsor something which doesn't make sense Okay, uh, interesting fellas. Uh, I was going to talk about uh, Sal GP, but we've uh, run out of time and it seems that uh, they've run out of a bit of gear as well with that storm in Sydney. But uh, thank you very much this morning to Graham Beasley and Ben Strang.